Hey, it feels like it's been forever, and that's one of the great things about doing things the way we do them is every time we get into the pulpit, it's fresh. It feels it feels like I'm due to be here, and it's the same thing for Kevin. When when he gets back up here, it, it, it feels like it's about time, and that's one of the great things about how we do things, and I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else in this world. I can assure you of that. Um, we've had a, a lot of success at this and had a great relationship throughout the process of doing this, and and again, every time I get up here, I feel like it's the first time in a while. Even if it's only been two weeks, it feels like it's the first time in a while. Um, I also don't normally um, try to come in behind Kevin and continue with something he was doing, but I liked the place that we were at and I felt comfortable with where we were at. So we're going to try to not necessarily um, exactly where Kevin was, but kind of stay in that general mindset and that general way of thinking. Um, we've been taught he started it off with, being born again and the and the test to see if if we've been born again and then the application of being born again and we've been kind of going through that we've been in Ephesians for the last little bit in chapter um, four seventeen through been in that area and and I kind of got to looking ahead and and trying to figure out where Kevin was going next and that kind of thing and I come into this spot and I said if he don't get there that's where I'm going to go so that's how we got to this and and. I know this says imitate God in your marriage and that's what we'll be talking about. But for those of you who are not married, don't cut me off, okay? You know those little video clips that pop up and it says watch till the end? You know the good stuff said, don't cut this off early, you're going to miss it. Don't cut me off this morning, okay? Stay with me. I'm going to say some words here in the beginning that to some of you is going to be offensive. Hey, don't cut me off. Don't shut me down. Stay with me. Stay with me to the end, okay? Go with me all the way to the end. Don't, don't, don't let it, don't, don't let it want, make you want to tune me out because of the subject matter or because of the early parts of the message. I promise if you'll write it to the end, everybody in here can take something home with them that's worth having, okay? Our goal is to grow. Our goal is to get better. I'm going to start sending out get better cards. Get better soon. And I'm going right inside them. I, I know you're not sick. I just think you can do better. I just really want to see you do better soon. I'm going, I'm going to, so if you get one of those, don't be offended. All right. Don't be offended. Just, it's my new card ministry. Get better soon. Okay. Here we go. I, it's been a while. <laughs> it's, y'all be careful with me. I, I'm like a little time bomb up here, a little short, fat time bomb. I'm just liable to go off at any time. It ain't no telling what's liable to come out. Ephesians chapter 5. If you have your Bible, turn with us to chapter 5, starting in verse 22. Um, to repeat what Kevin says, if, if you don't have your Bible and, and you do have a phone, you're more than welcome to get that out and, and stay with us. Everything we're going to look at this morning is going to come from the book of Ephesians unless something comes up that I'm not aware of. So I didn't give Nathan any scriptures. It's not going to be anything coming up here. We're going to be in such close proximity, you can flip to it pretty easily. I would love to have you to come and join us and follow along and, and see this for yourself so that you don't walk out of here saying, Nick said. I want you to walk out of here going, God said. Not because I said God spoke to me, because you read it out of His Word. Okay? And that's our goal. And in order for you to do that, I need you looking at it with me. Ephesians chapter 5. Starting in verse 22. Stay with me to the end, okay? 
Y'all don't cut me off right here at the beginning. You're going to miss it. Stay with me. It's going to be offensive in the beginning. But remember, God said, okay? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of His body, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we do humble ourselves before You this morning to say thank You for the opportunity to be gathered in Your house. We thank You for the opportunity to be looking at Your Word. Father, we pray that You speak to us through Your Word this morning. Father, I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth is pleasing to You and, and not of my own doing and not of my own opinions, Father, but it's Your Word. Father, I pray for Your guidance and Your direction in all that we say and do. I praise You, Father, for the music You've allowed us to enjoy this morning. I pray, Father, that every word of that um, came to You as praise and worship. And Father, right now I ask that You just continue to watch over us, that You be with those that are not able to be here this morning, for those that are traveling, those that are, are with sick loved ones, those that are sick themselves. I just pray that You allow Your presence to be felt in their current situation as well. Father, we thank You, we love You, and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I told you it was going to start off offensive. But I want to point out a couple of things to you. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9. Making known to us the mystery of His will. This marriage thing is a part of this mystery of God's will. Don't miss that. Go to Ephesians 3 3. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation. Throughout this, this letter, we've been talking about the mystery of God's will. And we've seen the mystery come in Revelation. We're going to see some more of that right here. But I'm going to tell you right now, this is a part, this marriage thing is a part of the mystery of God's will. 
You, you with me? You understand what I'm telling you? In other words, I can't stand up here and explain to you all the ins and outs and nuances and draw it out and make you understand it. It's a little bit mysterious. It's a little bit... Listen, here, let me give you an example. I'll use myself and my wife. For 21 years, Fagan and Francis King raised me up. And they poured everything, everything they had and every bit of knowledge that they had about finances, about raising kids, about how to act, about how to treat people, about rights and wrongs. They poured every bit of that into me for 21 years. For 20 years, Jane and Devon Howe poured that same information, everything they knew about church, kids, finances, how to get along. They poured how to treat people. They poured every what's important in life. They poured everything they knew about life into Amanda for 20 years. Can you imagine that everything Jane and Devon thought about life was different than everything Fagan and Francis thought about it? Can you imagine that there were some differences on how to handle money? Can you imagine there were some differences about how to treat people? Two shall become one flesh. Good luck. Because they took everything that I knew and everything she knew and stuck us together under one roof and go, can't imagine where friction would come from. Right? That happened for every one of us that's been married, right? Is we took what we had been taught for all those years and we brought that into the marriage. And that probably did not exactly line up with everything the person you married had been taught about marriage and life and money and kids and so forth and so on. Where could friction in marriage possibly come from? I don't get it. How could you have anything to disagree about? Well, here's the element of marriage that would stop that friction, that would help that friction because we're all human. We're not going to perfect it. But if we could add in and, and focus on the element that God desires about our marriage and forget what everybody else has taught us the way it should be, then we could at least be on the same page, right? And we could at least understand where the ideals are coming from. Because listen, the first argument me and my wife ever had, and this is my last story for the morning as far as I know. My mama, and I wish she was here. My mama literally, this is, I'm telling you, it's true. She literally used the smoke alarm as the timer for cooking bread. Am I lying? If the smoke alarm went off, she'd go, the bread's done. Literally. I'm telling you the truth. So me and my wife get married and she cooked some kind of cornbread, I think. Some kind of bread. And she brings it out and she sets it on the table. And I come in and I sit down and I look at it and I go, that needs to go back in the oven. And she said, what do you mean? It's golden brown. I said, no, that's raw. 
See, I didn't know you could eat the bottom of bread. <laughs> right? Because my mama used the, the, the smoke alarm to cook bread. That was the first big fight. So I can't imagine where friction comes. Even the way we ate was different. Even our expectations was different, right? So then you come into this marriage and there's this friction and you go, where's that coming from? I know where it comes from. But we can help some of that if we can both get our minds set and focused on a central location. And that central location is the mystery of God's desire for a marriage. Right? Now, we've seen that we have a mystery going on here. <clears throat> and, and what we've, um, just to give you some background to get to where we are now, we've, uh, like I said, we've been looking at, at chapter 5 starts with be imitators of God, right? Chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. And then we get over here and he gives us three specific examples of places we can apply that and walk that out. In marriage, in children and parents, and in what we'll call bosses. Right? So he's given us specific, be imitators of God. Walk it out. The things that we've been learning, the things that Kevin's been talking about for the past few weeks, we're going to see what that's supposed to look like in a marriage. How we be imitators, this is, this is imitators of God. If God was in front of us and He was drawing it out, this is what it would look like. This is how God would want it to be. I, I didn't say this is how the Baptist would want it to be, or this is how the method, or this is how Nick, or this is how a man, this is how God would expect it to look. You see, everything in this world is supposed to be a physical representation of a spiritual truth. Your marriage is supposed to represent the relationship between Christ and the church. That's the purpose of your marriage in this world. It's so that people can look at your marriage and see what the relationship between Christ and His church looks like. Are you offended by the fact that God requires you to be submissive to Christ? No. No. So why would you be offended by the fact that God asked you to be submissive to your husband? Now the first thing I want you to notice, it does not say all women be submissive to all men. It says for the wife to be submissive to not all husbands. What does it say? Her own husband. So see, I can lighten some of that offensiveness by just slowing down and letting you read this and see what it actually says. Because see, this is one of those places where people have taken it out of context over the years and made it become, this is why women shouldn't open their mouth in church. You're supposed to be submissive to men. It don't say be submissive to men. It says the wife to be submissive to her own husband. So if... If I'm not offended that Christ asked me to be submissive of Him as a part of the church, then how can I possibly be offended by the fact that I've been asked to be submissive to my own husband? Now I want you to notice something else about these verses. He has three times as much to say to men 
or husbands as He does to wives. Three times as much. There's three verses to the wives, there's nine to the men. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Now I want you, I'm going, because this is another place that gets crossed up on the cover. One more thing, then we're going to dive in. There are no stipulations on either two of, either one of these two sections. In other words, it don't say, wives, if your man is, if your husband is godly, be submissive. It don't say, wives, if your husband loves you like Christ loves the church, be submissive. Does it? It's cut and dry. Stand alone. It's a covenant. It's not a contract. The contract says as long as you do your part, I'll do mine. And as quick as you don't do your part, I'm out of it. A covenant says I'm going to do my part regardless. Regardless of what you do, I'm going to, I'm going to do my part. That's why God gave us a new covenant. It's not based on how we act. It's based on who God is. He's going to keep His end. And this marriage is a covenant. Now this is what it would look like if it was following the example that God has set. This is what a marriage would look like. Let's go. <clears throat> Don't forget in first part of this book, uh, first part of this chapter, chapter 5 verse 1, we were called to be imitators of God and to walk in love. Wives, is there any doubt who he's talking to? Any, 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 any way we can object that this is not talking to wives? Absolutely not. Very specific. Wives. Listen to me. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. It gives us a description of what this submission looks like. So we can't get our wires crossed on thinking, well, maybe that word doesn't really mean what we think it means. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Be submissive. All right, let's keep going. Because again, some of you are going to, I can't stay here long because some of you are going to tune me out and you're going to miss the part at the end. I had a couple, I said I was telling my stories, but I can't, I can't ever read this without this coming to my mind. Don't look at me like that. My wife's cocked her head and went, please don't. Oh yeah, I am. I've already cleared the room, I know. We were doing, I was doing a wedding one time, and this was a, a while ago, a long time ago, and I didn't do my premarital counseling the way I do it now, and this is one of the things that changed it. <clears throat> As I was reading the vows, and I said to her, do you promise? And I got to the part where I say, serve and obey. And when I said it, this lady's eyes, I mean, they got big as the top of that cup. She kind of leaned back and I thought, she's not going to say I do. She's not going to say it. And I get to the end of my, my, her part to speak to say I do. And she just stands there with her eyes this big around. I'm going, this is uncomfortable. This ain't going to be good at all. And she finally kind of mumbles out a little bit of a I do. And we get through the ceremony and I took them both to the back. Well, 
to back here and went off in a room and I got my Bible out and I went, I, I could see that when I said that, you weren't in agreement. <laughs> but let me show you. And, and I took her to this place in Scripture and showed her exactly what I'm talking about this morning. And she was okay with it. So from that day forward, this is the, one of the first places we go in premarital counseling so that you understand what you're signing up for because the word obey triggered something in her. The word She was not willing to just randomly obey this man because of lack of understanding. And my hope is that this, don't, this becomes less offensive overall when we gain understanding of exactly what's being talked about. And again, remember, be imitators of God. Walk in love. This is what it should look like, a rep physical representation of the spiritual relationship between Christ and His church. This is, what it, this is what we're supposed to be representing as we walk around as married people on this earth. It has purpose. The reason it's supposed to be this way. Keep going with me. Christ is head of the church, His body, and is Himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. I ain't had nothing to that. I, I, did, I didn't use no trickery to translate that and change those words in any way. I read it to you straight from the Word of God, right? And it says what it says. And you can do your word studies and you can do your context and I promise you, you'll find out that it says exactly what you think it says right now. The problem is, is oftentimes we want to stop right there at those three verses. We want, we want to stop right there and we want to proclaim that somehow, some way, that the wife is lesser than the husband. And she's just supposed to do whatever she's told according to Scripture. But if we continue to read and we continue to look, what we're going to find out is the woman is equal but not the same. This is where our society has got all messed up. Man and woman are equal but not the same. The man and woman's role are equal but not the same. I am in no way capable of being the nurturer that my wife is to our daughter. It's not, it's not, I'm not built that way. If we take, and we're fixing to see this, you can look back over the, you'll be able to see this just shortly. If we take the strongest man in the world and pit him against the strongest woman in the world, who wins? Every time the man wins. I didn't say that there ain't some women stronger than some men. I didn't say that. But I said if we take the top of each, if we take the fastest man in the world and we pit him in a race against the fastest woman in the world, who wins? Hands down. Every time. Because we are equal, but not the same. Our roles are different. Our makeup is different. Our structure is different. Our anatomy is supposed to be different. Right? 
Because some people can't leave well enough alone. It's supposed to be different. And it's that way for a reason. Why? Because we were put here with a purpose in mind. And when you go to messing with that purpose and you start altering stuff that ain't supposed to be altered, everything gets out of whack. That's what we're looking at today is it's out of whack. And it's out of whack because we got off of purpose and original intent. Wives, submit to your own husband. Don't worry about somebody else's husband. Ain't none of your business. Don't worry about somebody else's wife. Ain't none of your business, right? To your own. Keep that in order. The understanding that we are equal but not the same. And there's no shame in being exactly what God created you to be. What God created you, not what you naturally are. Because <laughs> naturally I'm a sinner. Right? That's what I was born in this world as. I was. We learned this in Sunday school this morning, um, earlier in the book of Ephesians, as a matter of fact. Chapter 2 starts off with the words, You were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's how I came into this world. So I'm not here to pursue what I naturally am because what I naturally am is a sinner. I'm here to pursue what God desires for me to be. And that's the opposite of what I naturally am. And when I start to see the difference in those two things, then I can get into my role. I can get into my role as a man, as, as a husband, as a father, as a leader, as a pastor, as a teacher, but until I understand that it is not God's desire for me to be what I naturally am, I can't do none of that stuff. I can't be the best father that I can possibly be until I have an understanding that I can't be what I naturally was. Because what I naturally was is dead in my trespasses. I'm trying to overcome what I naturally am. As a man as a father, as a husband, as a pastor. I'm trying to overcome what's natural to me every day. Every day. You have to overcome what's natural. We're not worried about what's natural to you. We're worried about what God created you to be. Right? That's, that's, that's what we're trying to get to. Is God created me to be an imitator of Him. Was I born an imitator of God? No. Alright, so knowing all of that, knowing that, was I born a godly husband? Was you born a godly wife? You can't get to be either one of these things until you have the understanding that you're trying to be the best of what God created you to be, not what you naturally are. Because what you naturally are is deceitful and selfish, and you can't be the, you can't be a submissive wife and be selfish. You, you understand that, right? It won't, it won't roll together. It won't mesh. Look here. Let's go over to the, to the, to the husband's part for all these women. Hang me. Chapter, I mean, uh, verse 25. Remember. Nine times as much to, I mean, three times as much to say to the husband as was said to the wife. That's not a coincidence. 
There was no tag that said, if your husband does his part, you have to do your part. Was there? They didn't say anything about that. But at the same time, you must understand that it sure does make life a lot easier for her on her part when I'm doing my part. Right? It becomes more natural. In other words, why is it not offensive to you and I as the church that we're told to be submissive to Christ in everything, every aspect of life? Because we understand how much He loves us. Right? When I understand how much Christ loves the church, He loved her enough to... When I understand how much Christ loves the church, it's not a problem when somebody addresses me and says, you need to be submissive to Christ. Right? It works in this marriage thing too. When my wife understands that I am loving her the way Christ loves the church, then her ability to be submissive just grew. Right? Because now she knows I'm not going to do anything. Now this is not a stipulation. Hear me on that. But it's a catch-22. When I do my part, it's a lot easier for her to do her part and vice versa. But there is no stipulation. This doesn't say, Nick, love your wife as Christ loved the church if she's being submissive. It don't say that. It don't say that at all. These are expectations of individual people in roles that God has created them to fit into. And this is what it would look like if I truly was an imitator of God. If I truly was born again and letting that be applicable in my life. Letting that be walked out in my life. Listen, the purpose of walking this stuff out not only is to spread the love of God, but it's to let the whole world look at you and see there's something different about you. There's something about you that maybe they might desire. In other words, my, when, it, when it's done right, people in the world should look at me and my wife and see something that don't look like any other marriage they've ever seen outside of a Christian marriage. Right? That's what it should be. That's the purpose of it being this way. So that other people see that and they desire that. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word. This first, this, the first, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? Sacrificially. First and foremost, He didn't just die. First, He suffered to the point that the Bible says He was unrecognizable as a human. Christ suffered to the point that He didn't even look human no more. For what? For His church. For me. For you. Now I've been instructed as a husband to love my wife 
the way Christ loves the church. That He gave Himself up for her. Not just died, that He suffered on her behalf. And at no point did He go, it's too much, she's not worth it. But people, man after man after man after man has gotten to that point in their marriage and went, it's too much, I can't suffer anymore. Right? But see, when it looks like what God designed it to look like, you don't see that. And that's when people step back and look at that marriage and go, I ain't exactly sure what it is, but that one looks different. That one don't look like the rest of them. Because that sacrificial love is involved. That putting self aside, that no worries about what I've got to endure as long as the church... This is Christ, remember? As long as that church understands how much I love her, then I've been given instructions to love my wife like that. My, my, my. Being submissive don't sound so tough no more, does it? Now, after husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, it starts at and gave Himself up for her, we start into a description of what Christ did, not what the husband did. Okay? And He gave Himself up for her that He might sanctify her. You can't sanctify your wife. Okay? That ain't possible. Look at this. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word. Only Christ can do that. So that He might present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. That's what Christ did. Verse 28, but look at this. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own. What is the number one important thing to us naturally? Every one of us. What is the number one most important thing? Me. Right? I, I Naturally, I am the most important thing in this world. That's my natural mindset. Me. I want what I want when I want it. So much so that, that people have made billions of dollars catering to that mindset in me and in you. So much so that they've spoiled us to the point that all we know is, listen, it's even, I've, I've used this example for a long time, but I've noticed something over the last few months. It's got worse. We want to pull to the first window and tell them what we want go to the next stop, give them our money, go to the next stop, get our food, and if the whole thing takes more than five minutes, we're mad. Right? That's how selfish we are. It's got worse. You don't even have to order at that first that microphone, that uh, speakerphone no more. Oh no, 
You can get on your phone and on your way there, punch it in the app. And when you pull up to a speaker, go, I got a mobile order. And they go, what's your name? Nick. All right, see you at the first window. I don't even have to give them money. It got paid for off that app. They just hand me a receipt and my food. It don't take five minutes no more, fellas. And they're making millions off of that, but our selfishness, our desire for what we want when we want it. That's what drives that whole industry, right? It's the microwave society. We want to throw it in there. Two or three minutes later, come out yummy and tasty. Versus put it in in the morning before you go to work. Right? Let it cook all day. Used to, you come in here at church and go, y'all don't worry about how long we are. Your beans won't burn before we get out of here. How many of y'all put beans on before you came to church today? Be honest. That's a zero. We don't work like that no more. My grandmother used to sit in this church and panic over how long we was because she literally had food cooking while she sat in church. We don't live, we don't do that anymore. It takes too long. It takes too much effort. That's why these principles that God gives us are so hard for us to follow. That's not how we work anymore. We want what we want when we want it. And the Bible says, nobody hates their own body, right? Love her as yourself. And that follows after He gives us the description of what Jesus has done for the church. You see that, right? Let's look at that one more time and slow down a little bit and leave off all the stories so you don't get confused. Alright, 28 says, in the same way. What is the same way? Go back up to verse 26. That He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, the same way Christ did that, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. In other words, the most important thing to Christ is that His church was presentable to His Father. Right? That's what that says. The most important thing to Nick should be that his wife is presentable to his Father. Right? In the same way. In the same way. It should be my goal to make sure that my household is run in a way Everybody understands the most important thing is whatever God wants. That's what it should be. I hope you all will excuse me. I've not mastered that quite yet. As the old song used to say, He's still working on me. <laughs> but it has to be our goal. It has to be what we're thriving, uh, striving for. It has to be what we're groping for. It has to be what we're reaching for is that above anything else, God is pleased with my marriage. That I love my wife in a way that she understands that I'm not ever intentionally going to do anything or ask her to do anything that would bring any kind of hurt or pain. Ever. Then that submissive thing becomes lightweight. 
we don't think about, I don't, personally, when, when, I'm, when I understand, when I see something in Scripture that goes against everything that's in my flesh, but it's calling me to be submissive to Christ. I don't, I don't think about that because that's what I want to do. Because I know that pleasing Him is the most important thing. And see, if I love my wife the way that Christ loves the church, she'll have that same mindset in being submissive to me. It'll be something she desires to do. Now again, I want you to don't, don't get confused. There is no tag on either one of these two things. This doesn't say if she, he does or if he, she does. It don't say that. But understand how much they work together. Right? How much they, 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 they go together. Let's hurry. Y'all don't make me go long and stuff. Verse 29, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of His body. We are members of His body. Getting your mindset for unity. Getting your mindset for the, for the coming together, because the next statement is, he quotes a scripture from uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This marriage thing isn't a joint venture. This isn't a let's try it and see how it works. Two shall become one flesh. You see that unity? We're members of the body of Christ. You see that? That joint together, knit together, pulled together. You see that comparison? You see that similarity? Keep going. Listen to me in verse 32. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Can anybody in here explain to me why on earth, why in this world, would Christ give up what He gave up to come to this earth and suffer the way He suffered just for me. Ain't that a little mysterious? Ain't it a little overwhelming to think about what had to take place in order for me to have any chance whatsoever to have a right relationship with my Creator? Listen, He didn't do this once you figured it out. <laughs> he didn't do this because He saw the potential that you had to love Him so much. Again, this is also in Ephesians. We talked about it this morning. He did this while we were still wretched. He suffered like this when we, were, we didn't love Him. We didn't desire Him. We didn't desire to honor Him. We'd been handed over to debased minds, right? We couldn't even think good things about God. 
much less love Him. Why would He do that? Well, ultimately, He did it, according to Ephesians, so that in the age to come, His grace, His immeasurable grace can be put on display. But for you and I to be able to wrap our minds around it, it's mysterious. Why would you do that? Why would you come down and give up what you had to come here and suffer for people that didn't even like you? It's mysterious. However, verse 33, this mystery, 32, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. You could say, let each one of you love his wife more than himself. In other words, a marriage that looks like what God designed it to look like looks like two people that care more about the other person than they do themselves. That's what it looks like. It looks like two people that are more concerned with the needs of the other than they are with their own needs. Just like the relationship Explain to me why Christ would do that for His church. His, his, because His desire was for His church to have an opportunity. <laughs> and why in the world would we be so submissive to Him? Again, the, the two, it doesn't have any stipulations. But man, it sure does make it easier to be submissive when you're loved to the point that you can obviously see that that person cares more about your well-being than they do their own. Be imitators of God. And listen to me. If you're a person that's not currently married, you ain't got to that point yet, I want you to write a note somewhere and remind yourself of this right here so that you can be in this place going in. Not get halfway in it and figure it out you've done it wrong try to back up and re refigure. It's a lot easier to go in with this mindset and keep it than it is to change it once you get in. Not impossible. Man, it's a lot easier when you start in the right place. <clears throat> I hope you understand that just like everything else in this life, God has put a purpose on marriage. We're going to look at some other relationships in the weeks to come. Started off with marriage because it was first in the list, but children and parents. This in here says bond servants and masters, but we'll bring that into a modern day term so you can understand it better. What this is, 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 is Paul giving us an example of what it looks like to be imitators of God in relationships. You know you were created for relationship? You weren't created to do this alone, right? So you were, you were created for relationship. 
So you got to know how to act and know how to be an imitator of God in those relationships. We started a study in our Monday night class about relationships. And I don't know how long we've been doing it, <clears throat> how long we've been looking up different things, but I can tell you there is a God has a whole lot to say about how you and I interact with each other. Enemies, friends, neighbors, spouses, parents. He's got a ton to say about how we interact with one another. And ultimately, He expects us to be imitators of Him in every aspect of it. Y'all stand. I'm going to ask Brother Chris and the worship team to come back up here. I just encourage you to respond by whatever means you feel led to respond. Um, I pray that... Uh, I pray that everybody in here was already in a place that they didn't need to hear none of this. That's my prayer. That I that that I just brought something you all already understood and you didn't need none of it. Because that means you're further advanced in this walk than I am. But I know the reality of it is, is not that. I know the reality of it is that none of us have perfected all of it. None of us. And I pray that it brings growth in your life.